On this edition of the Table of Content, Michael and I will review The King and His Hawk, a short story by James Baldwin, and look at the theme of anger and the consequences that come from it. Stay tuned. That's coming up next, right here on the Table of Content. Welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for tuning in to this edition of the Table of Content. My name is Albert Sines. I am one of your hosts, and I am joined such with such pleasure with Michael Steele. Michael Steele, welcome aboard. Thank you, Albert. It's always a joy to be here as well and talking about these stories. So, as I said, uh, we're reviewing The King and His Hawk by James Baldwin. If this is an unfamiliar story to you, please uh, venture over to our website, weareonebodyaudiotheater.org or weobaudiotheater.org. Look up in the door-to-door storytellers, The King and His Hawk, or you can find it at our YouTube channel for WAOB Audio Theater and give it a listen and then come back for this episode. Uh, But uh, so I always like asking sort of interesting questions in the beginning We've got a story, it's revolving around Genghis Khan, and he had this hunting hawk. I've never seen one of these things in person, so they've been used for centuries, maybe millennia, and people still use these hunting hawks, and they just sort of land perfectly on your hand, and they go out and do amazing things like, I don't know, bring back small animals, I guess. Have you ever seen this in person? I've never seen this in person. I've just seen videos. Right. I can't say that I have. You know, I grew up in the desert. And there was this um, sort of nature area, um, you know, that you could visit and they had a visitor center. And I think I remember one of the rangers having a red tail hawk perched on her arm. She had the big, thick leather, leather glove, but the hawk itself wasn't a trained hunter. It was just kind of there for, uh, you know, come meet, you know, sh- you know the red tail hawk and, and learn about the red tail hawk. But no, I, I've only seen videos, but they're impressive when they do hunt. You know, I think you, I think you, you, you made a point, and this is going to be a fun, this is going to be a fun factoid for for the people. You said a red-tailed hawk. Yep. So you know, like when you watch like some sort of epic, some like movie scene, they're outdoors, and you they have a bald eagle, and the bald eagle like you know lets out its call. Yes. That's not actually. A bald eagle. They actually use the call or the sound from a red-tailed hawk. Oh, right. And huh. if you actually listen to the bald eagle, it's much less majestic sounding. It's actual call uh, compared to the red-tailed hawk. So uh, I was completely floored when I discovered that recently. And I think a lot of people would feel kind of like, What? It's not actually an eagle, and it's not. It's not an eagle. that They use the red-tailed hawk. Interesting. You know, and now that you say that, it is. It, having grown up in the desert and heard red-tailed hawks, the screech is the same. And then I think I've heard a bald eagle recording or, or something, and, it, and they kind of sound like glorified seagulls. <laughs> no, no no offense to any bald eagles in our area no offense to bald eagles and no <laughs> offense to america and to the patriots that you know hold the bald eagle in high esteem but that's fair that's a fair that's right. comment that's right yeah so uh anyways in this story 
we have Genghis Khan, and he, you know, we all kind of know he was this sort of huge warrior king from long ago. And mm. he was out, uh, I guess, hunting, I guess you could say. It says in the story, he rode out into the woods to have a day's sport. And many of his friends were with him, and they were carrying their bows and arrows and uh, the servants and the hounds were all there. So it's this huge, you know, glorious hunting party, you know. Uh, and he took with him his favorite hawk, it says in the story. Uh, mm. For in those days, hawks were trained to hunt. At a word from their masters, they would fly high up into the air and look around for prey. If they chanced to see a deer or a rabbit, they would swoop down upon it swift as any arrow. So this all sounds really cool, and it's like, okay, just everyone's going out to basically go hunt. Uh, mm. Maybe not completely different from today's hunting parties. Everyone gets together, they go out, and you know, yeah. they have a good time. Yeah, uh, but hopes uh, are high. Hopes are high, right? And and you, especially when you have your favorite hawk with you. Yes. So uh, maybe one day I will have a favorite hawk. <laughs> um, but you know, he uh, the story progresses. And to sort of uh, get to the summary of it so that we can kind of open it up a bit more, Genghis Khan gets thirsty, you know, and his hawk was out flying around. And he sees where he's going to drink some water. And it's trickling down from a higher point, And he tries to take a drink. And the, ho- the, the hawk just sort of swoops down and, and interferes. Because mm. uh, he had like a little cup and he like, you know, got in the way. So right. he sort of yeah. brushed it off and he tried again. And the hawk did this again. Uh, and then the hawk did it again. And basically what happens is the hawk is not letting him drink out of this cup. And Genghis Khan gets, he gets angry. Mm. And he's like, this is, this is not okay. And mm. even though this is his favorite hawk, uh, he says in the story, he says, how, how do you dare to act so? He cried. If I had you in my hands, I would wring your neck. So, and he filled the cup again, and he tried to drink, but then he drew his sword because he was basically luring the hawk in. So, mm. the hawk came, and then he basically killed the hawk, right? Yeah. So, then he, after all that settles down, and he feels like he's vindicated for his, you know, actions, you know, for the actions that the hawk took against him, he right. decides to climb up. Because uh, you know he can't he can't find his cup now, so he climbs up to where the water was coming, and what does he find? He finds a massively poisonous snake that had died right in where the stream was. Mm. So the po- the water was basically poisoned, and uh, the hawk was trying to save the king, save Genghis Khan from uh, his from drinking poison. Mm. So then, of course, as in many times. Uh, there is remorse for for the action. And he says, the hawk saved my life, he cried, and how did I repay him? He was my best friend, and I have killed him. He clambered down the bank. He took the bird of gently and laid it in his hunting bag. Then he mounted his horse and rode swiftly home. He said to himself, I have learned a sad lesson today, and that is never to do anything in anger. Hmm. In story, exit stage left, close curtain. Uh, <laughs> there, there we are. So, where where do you where do you start from there, Michael Steele? Right, I have a couple of thoughts. 
Um, the first is I tried to put myself ironically, and I've never done this before because the story is all from the perspective of Genghis Khan and uh, what he's suffering. And then the big reveal moment, like, oh, the motive of the hawk. But I tried to put myself in the perspective of the hawk. And I just thought, now, that you know, the hawk is not acting, you know, consciously, but he is trying to do something good, that is, save the life of his master. And what is he met with? He's met with ingratitude. He's met with uh, anger. And ultimately, he's met with the taking of his own life. And I just, for me, that whole story, uh, the, the unfolding of the bird, it just, it just screams injustice. Like, what an injustice. Like, here's a bird that's trying to save the life of its master, and the master you know, ends up uh, killing it. Of course, you know, we can go into other things about the motive of the master. The master, you know, Genghis Khan didn't understand the motives of the hawk, right? So there's a little bit of like understanding there. That was the first point. Second point was, it's a story about anger. And the lesson is, you know, don't act out of anger. And I got me thinking about what anger is. And again, uh, St. Thomas Aquinas would say that Anger is a hybrid of two other emotions. It's one, uh, sadness at a perceived injustice and hope for overcoming that injustice. And we see that at play in Genghis Khan. He's sad and angry and upset because he's, he wants a drink of water and he's not, uh, he's not getting that drink of water. And he is looking at the hawk as being out of line completely with what the hawk is supposed to do, which is go and get prey. And that's it, right? Um, and then in his mind, he's trying to act, you know, to overcome that injustice, which is rather dire for the hawk. He, ta- he just dispatches him, um, you know. And so there, there, there is a lesson to be learned there. And it's interesting, St. Thomas Aquinas would go on to say that how to deal with anger don't act while you're angry because precisely because there's that perception of injustice, we are more often than not the worst judges of justice and injustice, especially when it pertains to offenses against ourselves, right? So the idea is don't act, cool off, have time to reflect, put yourself in the other person's shoes, uh, you know, and then, and then, even if necessary, get a third party involved for a more objective view. But anyways, those are a couple of the the thoughts I had. Also, at the very beginning, you know, it's contrasted. Like Genghis Khan isn't, um, he's not portrayed in this story as an angry person either. Uh, spirits were high, there was they were in a merry mood, and it took him like four tries for him finally to get his anger up. So it wasn't like he was just like a fuse ready to blow at any moment. It was just, there was a repeated offense. So those are a couple of thoughts that uh, that came to mind. You know, I appreciated what you were talking about, St. Thomas, and basically the concept to not act out of anger uh, or to do things out of anger. So it had me thinking about, you know, a lot of the saints have similar concepts, like St. Ignatius of Loyola and his, you know, uh, the spiritual exercises and, you know, the you're in a point of desolation and consolation, like don't make a decision 
when you're in a a, a place of desolation, you know. Mm. So a lot of this, you know, all kind of wraps together. When we are in a negative place, it's mm. probably not the best place to make huge actions, huge decisions, judgments. We should probably wait till we can either be calm, be in a better place, have better mental faculties. You know, it, it just seems to lend itself from the perspective of the saints that you'll mm. do better in your life if if you do things when you're when you're when you're happy, when you're peaceful, when you're calm. Uh, right. And 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 you know, just just hold on just a little bit uh, right. before you before you kill your favorite hawk. Right. When you have clarity, because you might not be seen. Uh, with the same perspective, you might not be seen from an eagle eye perspective, you know, at 30,000 feet, you know, yeah, it is so great. You know, but I, I couldn't help but think about this, right? So there's this, there's this object of, of thirst, right? So let's see, where is it in the story? Uh, the king rode slowly along. He had once seen a spring of clear water near this pathway, if he could only find it now, but the hot days of summer had dried up all the mountain brooks. So you know, one of these themes that, you know, we're presented with also in the story that I couldn't help but sort of think about was this object of thirst, right? And, mm. you know, it says in the story, it, it took a long time to fill the cup, and the king was so thirsty that he could hardly wait. At last it was nearly nearly full. He put the cup to his lips and was about to, to drink. And I think we can all sort of relate, you know, like a hot day, and you've been out all day, and you just want that first sort of cold drink, you know, and that feeling that comes down. So, you know, we understand what it's like to be really thirsty, and then you're about to be able to drink something, and, and you can't, or something interferes, or you have to wait a little longer. And what my mind was going yeah. to is I was thinking about the, the, the Israelites and the story from, the story from Exodus, mm. and they sort of leave Egypt, they're out into the desert, and, you know, they have to, you know, sort of wander for 40 years, Right. And it's not easy, and it's a long time, and, you know, along the way, they kind of are very, you know, they're very, they're very begrudging of the situation, right. and, you know, and I, I, I think uh, Father Dave Pavanka put it really good once, I heard him in a talk, you know, and he was talking about freedom, and mm. he was saying how the Israelites are basically saying, you know, hey, you know, we're tired of your manna. We're tired of what you've given <laughs> us. You know, we kind of had it better before. Right. You know, where thanks a lot, God. You know, for, yeah. And God's taking care of them. You know, God's taking care of them. No, it's not. You know, it's not bacon wrapped. You know, filet mignon with with ice cold drinks. But He's given them food from heaven, right? From right. from from heaven, and but. They can't handle it, you know. They, they they want to fill their their bellies with with something else. They they want yeah. to they want something better to eat, something better to to drink. But they continue through this suffering for all of these years, you know. But God right. has said, "I will give you something better in return." Right? But mm -hmm. what happens whenever the Israelites don't listen to God? They kind of get in trouble, right? Yeah. That right. when when they get frustrated, when they get angry with God. God sort of responds, and they sort of have to pay the price. Yeah. But finally, they do get rewarded in the end. And I think you take from that that, like, if you just wait, if you're patient, if you don't get angry with God, yeah, good things will come. 
And if, if Genghis Khan in the story had just tried to sort of figure out what was going on, if he had tried to sort of work with the hawk a little bit, right? Mm. There wouldn't have been this tragic end. He would not have killed his favorite hawk. There wouldn't be this, this sadness of losing, you know, his great friend, the hawk. Right. And you make a, a great point about the comparison with the Israelites and their relationship with God, right? What is it about us as humans? Like, we are never satisfied, you know? And I think there have been other fairy tales written about that, you know, where people are blessed with some magical wish or something or other, and they're not satisfied with it. So they keep stretching uh, or, or, or wanting more. And th- that just kind of feeds the greed, uh, instead of the opposite, being truly grateful for what we have. And you're right. Like, And I, that's a good point that the story brings out. It was not easy for Genghis Khan to get this cup of water. It wasn't like he could just dip into a stream. It was just like a trickle dripping down from the rock. So it took a long time. He had to exercise patience for his reward of a nice, cool drink. And his expectation was all on that drink, which kind of exacerbates the situation, right? Because it's one thing, it's like, oh, the hawk knocked a cup out of my hand. I'll just dip it back into this deep pool. No, he's like, ah, the effort and the patience and the weight all kind of were eating at him. Right, you know? right. So all elements, which I, I feel like also point to the fact that the story is trying to convey that Genghis Khan wasn't, again, like this irrational, angry person, right? He was like, there's a certain kind of, build up to his anger like wouldn't you be angry if that happened to you right um you know and yeah and and he's blinded he's blinded by by his anger but um and i was also thinking as you were talking about the israelites how god treats us as well he kind of you know he he lets us suffer the consequences of our own impatient and bad choices and then as a good father, he's always there when we come whimpering back to him, you know, not like in a way like, see, I told you so, but yeah, I'm still here. I'm sorry. That was a hard lesson <laughs> that you, that you had to learn. Right. But, exactly. um, you know, he's always filled with compassion and, and kindness, you know, and, um, yeah, I feel like, yeah, through the story, I hope that you will obviously Genghis Kong. Uh, went home a sadder but wiser man. Um, but you know, our, our, our story, our own story with God is one of such, you know, I mean, as, well, I guess society as a whole, really, right? We, we, are, mm. uh, uh, we are an instant gratification society. Oh my goodness! You know, like I, I, I want it now. I mean, yeah. well, I mean, what, what have we done? We, we've given ourselves the convenience of being able to just drive a few minutes and suddenly we're in a walled building that has vegetables and canned food and meats and everything else that we need and it's air conditioned and right. my, my my wife uh she has a book uh written by Laura Laura Ingram Wilder the one who wrote the little house on the prairie series oh, right. yes and in this book uh Laura actually tells of her own actual life in a lot of different stories and essays that mm. she wrote of what it was like. And yeah. they were up north, and it was rough. I mean, there yes. was not, you know, it wasn't a hop on down to the local, you know, the, the local Mega Mart and, and just 
you know, have at will. Like they had to work for what they had. They had to work hard. They had to wait. There was, you know, the, the seasons, the, the the winter was bad, you know, maybe there was no water. I mean, it was rough, but now it's all like, God, we have, we have a computer that we, you know, hold in our hands and make phone calls with and up there it is. I've got exactly what, what I need. So I think we, it's a society that's us, but especially sometimes as Christians with God, we're like, hey, God, I need some help. Like, where are you? You know, mm-hmm. I'm suffering. And mm-hmm. and like you said, you know, God's like, I'm sorry that it's, it's kind of rough, but there is a reason for, for this. And I am with you. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I am here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that what is that, that, that short story that someone made, you know, like the the two people are walking along in the sand and one person is talking to to Jesus and there's two sets of footsteps and he says, you know, hey, well, why, why'd you leave uh, in that hard point of my life? He's like, no, 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 right. I wasn't. I didn't leave. That's where I carried you, right? Right. But we want to feel it. We want to feel with, you know, absolute clarity the presence of the Lord in our lives. And if we don't, then we get angry and then we act out and then we sort of screw up and we mess up and and then God's like, hey, 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 I'm I'm right here, I'm right, right here. But it's just how we act in our in our life. If we if we don't feel God, then we feel like He's just not there. You know, if He doesn't answer our prayers right away, well, God's mm-hmm. just not listening. Right, right. We're impatient. Right, yeah. I think that you um, that's what you talked about in the beginning. That if we could somehow learn patient endurance of trials and hardships, there's wisdom in that, you know, and like, yeah, it's a tough moment. But like you were saying earlier, if we had that confidence of like, God hasn't abandoned us, he's actually carrying us through those moments that bolsters our hope or ought to bolster our hope, you know? And and as a side, interestingly enough, I have a little bit of a story to share about uh, Laura uh, Ingalls Wilder's home in 2016, when we moved out uh, here to uh, southwestern Pennsylvania, we had we did a coast to coast road trip, and we actually camped a night on uh, the little house on the prairie. It's a historic museum and and uh, visitor center, and you can go and just pay like uh, like twelve dollars, I think it was, just to pitch a tent right there um, on on the property. And so we camped there, and this was in the middle of summer smack dab in the middle of the prairie and it was cold it was really cold i'm thinking this is whatever this is july we're here in middle july and like the the morning temperature i think was in the 30s like and this is like the the nice time of year (laughs) and you know just kind of a taste of what they what they went through it was it was great fun for the kids as well they had got to do some of the projects that uh or Ingalls uh, did when she was a little girl. But uh, great experience, unforgettable experience. You know, I I was thinking about all of this and in the midst of, you know, right now uh, we mm. are going through the, through the Lenten season. Mm. And it, it seems, I think for many of us, these sort of 40 days, right? We talked about the Israelites in the 40 years, and you know, Christ went out into the desert for 40 days, and here we are, we have our own 40 days. And for many of us, it really does seem, right, like this long sort of uh, in, enduring, you know, oh, yeah. Lent, 
you know, right. Lent. Yeah. And, but, you know, this year, right, you know, talk with my wife and we, you know, we're always trying to sort of make our Lent better. And that might seem very odd to people. It's like, what? How do you have mm. a good Lent? You have to sacrifice and give up. But trying to look at it from the standpoint of, of growth, right? Mm. You know, that this time of sort of sacrifice can end actually on a good note. It can lead to something better. And if Genghis Khan in the story had sort of worked through his thirst and not sort of been so angry, it tried to work out, right? He, he, he would have, he would have come out better on the, on the other side. Like I said earlier, he wouldn't Mm. have killed his hawk, right? If he had somehow tried to figure this out. Right. But we, but we look at this, you know, we look at those stretches of suffering, you know, like this time of like sort of forcible, uh, you know, forcible sacrifice during the Lenten season. You're like, oh, right. why do I have to do, yeah. do this? It's like, because it's good for us. Right. It's good for us. It's better it for us. And, you know, in the story, Genghis Khan, it would have been, it, I mean, he, I guess he reaped sort of the benefits because he didn't drink poison water, but at the expense of losing his favorite hawk. So it's kind of like you win, like he won and lost. But in, you know, in our Christian lives, it, it can be a win. It can be all win if we can work with God, be patient with God, not be angry with God. And, yes. you know, and accept what it is that he's giving us, like what it is, like these yes. trials, like many times God will knock things out of our hands and we're like, hey, right. I was going to drink that. Yeah, And God's exactly. like, you don't, you really don't want to drink that. It's yeah. like, yes, I do, God. And he right. knocks it out of our hand again. You're like, hey, yo, I'm yeah. going to drink yeah. that. And it's like, you really don't want to drink that. And we force it upon ourselves, right? Yes. And we drink out of the cup and, oh man, it was poison. Yeah. Like, God, I'm so sorry. It's like, I know, I know, I tried to tell you, but thankfully we have a merciful God. Yeah, I like where you're going with that. You know, let us not slay the hawks in our lives. Well, actually, maybe even let's try to understand and identify the hawks in our lives that are sort of there to help us, but at the same time, they're bothering us, you know? But right, it's, right, like you were exactly. saying, it's there for our good, right? And like you were saying, yeah, isn't that what sin is? It's it's basically, okay, God, I know what's better for me than you do. You're you're the creator of the universe. You made me who I am. You know every hair on my head, but I know for myself what's better for me than you at this particular moment. So please don't knock the cup out of my hand, you know? And yeah, I I feel like we could like you were saying earlier, it could be a better scenario. We could go home with an alive hawk and wiser and grateful if we just kind of like see through the pain or whatever's bothering us and try to learn the lesson or try to change what needs to be changed. Yeah. That's a, I, I like where you took that. Uh, and I, I like, I like what you said that we need to find the hawk. We need to recognize the hawks in, in our life because I'm sure we have them. We have the hawks in our life that are there for our benefit, but we don't, we just don't recognize it. So I appreciate mm-hmm. that point. You know, I, I, I am not a perfect person by a- any means. I, I, I struggle. I don't believe it. I, well, <laughs> I am not a perfect person. <laughs> I am not a perfect person, and I'm, I'm a sinful man. Like, uh, pretty much we all are, right? I mean, we're, we are yeah. all fallen creatures, and yep. we're all sinful in different ways. 
you know, and I have, you know, I have the moments where I, I get angry, you know what? And then, you know, yeah. you sort of, you see the consequences of that anger afterwards and it, it weighs on, it weighs on you, it weighs on me, you know? It so does. I, I guess what I'm trying to, I'm trying to get at is that none of us are sort of exempt from the, from the, from the thing that sort of is like Genghis Khan's anger, right? So maybe it is mm-hmm. anger. Maybe it's something else. It's some other sort of uh, vice, some other sort of negative feeling, some other reaction that leads to bad consequences. There's something in our lives, right? But mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. that what we take away from here is that, like we said in the beginning, to not respond out of anger, that, you know, God doesn't want us to respond out of anger. I think he understands anger. I think God understands anger, but he he doesn't want us to respond to it because there's there's more benefit from responding out of the place of peace, out of a place of clear mental faculties, out of a place where we know that there's better resolution in the end. So I I think what what we take away from here is that, you know, in our lives, we will do a lot better when we when we sort of try to squelch our anger. I'm not mm-hmm. saying don't get angry because it's sort of an impossible task. It's like telling people, well, just don't breathe. Right. We we, we, we just it's... we just get angry at times. It just it yeah. happens because we are fallen creatures. Yeah. But in those times, wait for the anger to, to pass. And I think that we we will not have to worry about killing our, our hawk, you know. Uh, right. And then we'll be able to actually enjoy a better drink than the yeah. than than the poison water. Right, right, yeah. You know, Saint Thomas Aquinas, you you brought up a, a good point that he says anger as an emotion. He says, "What are emotions? They're uh, psychosomatic um, responses to stimuli that we suffer." Which basically meaning psychosomatic is just a fancy way of saying they affect our soul and our body. You know, so uh, when we're angry, you know heart rate goes up, we sweat or we get red, et cetera, et cetera. Um, uh, you know, so he says, because we suffer them, you know, their responses to stimuli that we don't necessarily have control over. So we suffer them. We, we don't uh, elicit them usually. And what we do have control over is how we react with respect to them when they arise. And that's what shapes us as human beings, you know, and if he, I, you know, like you were saying, some of the, the, the saints who are known for their gentleness were the ones who struggled the most with temptations to anger. I'm thinking of like St. Francis de Sales, you know, he was known for being this meek and mild person. And yet he struggled all his life with severe temptations to anger. Um, you know, but yeah, it's it's that. Don't act out of anger. Don't kind of suppress it. That's not healthy. But the idea sure, is, sure. you know, divert it, uplift it to God who sees everything with perfect clarity, you know, and uh, wait, don't act, let yourself cool off, say a prayer, take a walk, you know. <laughs> yep, yep, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, lots of uh, lots of good things to think about, um, and I, I think we can all sort of emerge from here, you know, wanting to give strong consideration to how we respond in those moments. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, Michael Steele, thanks so much for taking some time to talk about the king and his hawk. 
Thank you, Albert. Yeah, you've you've got me interested. I might look up like local falconry classes in my area. <laughs> <laughs> just remember, if it knocks a cup out of your hand, just be calm. <laughs> That's right, right. Right. Yeah, I'll I'll keep my sword in its sheath. Right? Very, 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 very good. Uh, I'm sure it'll be safer for everyone if you just keep the sword in the sheath. <laughs> Uh, ladies and gentlemen, again, if you have not listened to The King and His Hawk, please go uh, find it on our website or at our YouTube channel for waobaudiotheater.org. As always, we are so happy to have you on board as we open up these stories a little bit more for discussion, and we hope that you will join us for the next episode. And until then, as always, please, please be good, stay safe, peace. Peace.